This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hey, this is Gordo. This is another little Swapcast. We did this one all the way back in July with uh, James Cronin from the Crowbar Podcast. You can find the link for that show in the description below if you want to go get some more Crowbar into your ear holes. But on this one, uh, yeah, we're just cut, shoot, shooting the shit, talking about the stuff happened during July. It's a nice little catch-up. And, uh, I don't know, predicted a, yeah, <laughs> a financial collapse that was going to be happening uh plans were plans were being made uh i could not remember the name of cyber polygon which was going on at the time i think i called it four different things but um yeah we talk about that we talk about event 201 and we talk about fiat currency and how maybe you know pandemic was planned and uh yeah we talk a little bit about chris benoit uh we talk about i don't know uh, having a head which seems to be um i think a very important underlying theme to a lot of conspiracy theories and if you can understand that then the information uh, being thrown at you by the tsunami of the internet uh, may it be a little bit uh, more easily digestible you know what i mean um it's very hard to uh, navigate your way through this emotionally charged uh, multimedia deluge we have been experiencing over the last few years and, um, you know, getting your head right is a really important part of that. And it's something that I'm trying to do for myself personally. And uh, we talk a bit about it in this as well. And then we talk about the, the true crime uh, revolution, I guess, in, in podcasting. And kind of the uh, specific demarcation uh, of those conspiracy guys into, like, the conspiracy side and in the true crime side as well. And I know some people are saying, like, the, the conspiracies are lacking and there's too many swap casts and there's too many this and that. Really busy times over here at the moment, so sorry guys for, um, you know, yeah, I'm forever fucking apologizing, but like, you know, there's always work being done, it's just like, you can't always see it, it's the, it's the duck, you know, just floating along in the water, and then these fucking feet underwater going mad, uh, or an iceberg, you know, if you want to, if you want to do that metaphor, um, there's loads of stuff happening, and it's all really great stuff, we just moved to a new hosting platform, we moved to Megaphone, and, um, you know, thanks very much to Spreaker and all they did, but uh, we're moving to Megaphone now, and uh, the show is hosted there, so you'll be hearing different types of ads and stuff like that, and if you want to get it ad-free, obviously on Patreon, this will be up on Patreon too, ad-free, but um, yeah, there's a lot of work on into that, fans, the whole fucking summer, trying to get that stuff ready, and uh, just next level shit, so um, Project Bluebeam will be in your ear holes uh, this week, I'm going to push the true crime down the way and give you a deep dive before I head over to the UK to do some dates 
uh, unfortunately, due to, uh, to be honest, spiraling costs and, uh, you know, COVID restrictions making those costs spiral and uh, other, uh, you know, travel restrictions that negated certain methods of transportation, which means more expensive methods of transportation, which, to be honest, uh, I couldn't really justify or afford. So look at, I'm going to be going over, we're still doing the London show on the 17th in the Moth Club, and then we're going to the Chapel Town Picture House in Manchester still uh, on the 19th, and then I'm going to come home for a week, and then I'm going to go back, and we're doing the Glasgow show in the Oranmore in Glasgow for all of those lovely folks. Unfortunately, I'm sorry Newcastle, I'm sorry Birmingham, I'm sorry Liverpool, uh, you're going to have to hang on, so you can get a refund, the tickets are available ref- to be refunded if, if you should so wish, uh, or if you just want to hang on, I'm going to be coming back over at the end of April in a much more, uh, what would you say, a much more logistically friendly operation, uh, so I'm not sitting around in the UK for, for five days, you know, twiddling me thumbs waiting for the next show to happen, it kind of went a bit arseways and with COVID and restrictions and live shows turning back on and, you know, musicians getting preference because their venues are fuller because there's people standing up and loads of people drinking and just so many fucking moving parts. It started as one thing and then it morphed and concessions were made and concessions were made and concessions were made and it eventually became, um, you know, a very high cost endeavour. So I had to make the decision to move those shows on into April. So I apologise for that again. But, um, you know, it is what it is. So I hope uh, to see the Newcastle, Birmingham and Liverpool folks next April 2022. I, I will be in London, fear not. I will be in Manchester, fear not. I will be in Glasgow. Uh, that's if they fucking, I don't know, let me into the country. I've got my PCR test booked. I've got all my stuff, you know. Uh, apparently there's no restrictions on the people getting in. You don't have to show vaccine passports or any of that kind of shit. But you know what, lads? It all could fucking change. And uh, <laughs> a load of money be gone up to fucking Swanee. Because like, they won't let me in because I'm not vaccinated. So look, at this is the crack. This is the way we play. And uh, what you going to do, man? That's the way it is, bro. Uh, there is also a Dublin gig uh, in January. On the 14th of January, I think, in uh, the Liberty Hall Theatre in Dublin. So if you want to be in Dublin, and it means I don't have to get a plane to get there. I just have to get on a train and wrap my head in a fucking plastic bag. But um, yeah, so sorry about the live shows. You guys were looking for an explanation. That's probably it. I'm going to give uh, a social media post as well, but um, some people on Discord were asking what the crack is, and, and Shane had a crack. So look, this is a fucking long-ass intro. There's a great crack of a swap cast. Uh, there'll probably be another one tomorrow, and then a Project Bluebeam episode. I am working with this new host, and I don't want to release deep dive episodes and have them go off into nothingness. Um, so I'm just trying to make sure all my teaser crossed and all my J's have dots on them and uh, you know that's it okay so this shut up Gardo into the swap cast uh, this is James Cronin and the Crowbar podcast from July 
We're fucking long time in the pipeline, as we said before. But the man, the myth, the legend, Gordo, the conspiracy guys, finally here. Finally. As we said, long time. And uh, great to have you. Thanks very much for having me. It's been, uh, it's been yeah, a long time cooking. Uh, it's got a sure. nice crispy outside and the inside is uh, moist and ready for consumption. Yeah, that's, that's what I look inside. Yeah, yeah. A good podcast. <laughs> a crispy yet delicious inside, which will be, I'm sure we'll be talking all sorts of shite I'm to sure, ruin yeah. said meal. But uh, no, it's great to have you on, man. Um, obviously, you're the, I suppose, it, explain to me now, you're from the those conspiracy guys, but there's only one of you. Yeah, there is now. I think, you know what it is? Um, those conspiracy guys was a conception of mine where I wanted to um, make a podcast, which was which was the done thing at the time. And uh, I was working in a phone shop uh, with a friend of mine. And I was like, did you ever hear podcasts? And I was doing conspiracies for like 20 years, smoking hash. Oh, wow. In Wexford, talking about 9-11. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> but even before that, like watching the X-Files, you're into aliens and you're into like esoteric shit. And you're into like, you know, uh, uh, intergovernmental conspiracies and JFK and all the stuff, you know, World War II fanatic and was mad into history in secondary school and Rasputin and Stalin and all that shit. So I knew something wasn't right in the world. And then it just mixed together with like a sense of drug-induced paranoia and a a general disdain and distaste for uh, establishment authority while working in a nine-to-five kind of retail job. I'm going, (laughs) yeah, what? kind of mad shit can I do to fucking not have to stand in this shop and um, I, you know I work retail and, and uh, uh, what would you call it hospitality my whole life up to that mm. but it also sidelined with you know a whole kind of tried out a whole musical career and then did like and did that for like six or seven years and then did another six or seven years doing comedy and um, trying to get into stand up comedy and you know I got a few ads on TV and got a few big gigs and it was real nice but it just wasn't panning out, and I stopped doing comedy. My last gig, I think, was in late 2012, and like mid 2013, I started the production kind of ideas for those conspiracy guys. I went like, yeah, like fucking conspiracies is is huge. All my favorite podcasts at the time were conspiracy theories. Uh, the higher side chats being one of them. Greg Carlwood, and I was just like, fuck it, man. Like, let's make a podcast. And uh, I was talking with my good friend from Wexford, Eamon, from his, he, he has a podcast now called Monster Fuzz. And um, at the time he had nothing, but uh, he was wanting to make a, a podcast with me. And we were going to be two lads reminiscing about pop culture from the before times in a post-apocalyptic bunker. And it was just going to be me and him together talking about like TV shows and cartoons we used to like and comic books and like fucking uh, film character comic book women that we got the horn for when we were 13 and stuff like that. <laughs> Which one has the nicest nips. And we found out that that was already taken. And then, you know, I just I just kind of fell into the conspiracy part. Um, and then one of the original hosts, Paul, he was working with me in the phone shop. And we were always talking about conspiracy shit. Uh, just like back and forth and I was talking about bullshit. And uh, it just kind of fell into, like, let's do it about conspiracy theories. It took 18 months and I fucking learned how to do website making and learned all about podcasts and then, you know, took my musical knowledge of uh, the audio equipment and all the stuff. I had a little bit of filmmaking stuff and a couple of bits and bobs and, a, a, you know, a half decent computer. And I just fucked it together when nobody else was really making it. At the time, it was like big studios had podcasts. Mm. Uh, you know, it was Adam Curry you were going up against. Um, and now all you have to have is like a half decent phone and a inflated sense of self and you can have your own podcast. But um, 
those conspiracy guys was born of like a lot of different long-term disciplines that amalgamated fortuitously into um, something that people just kind of resonated with. I'm not saying that I'm a soothsayer, but like, I, I think if you go back to season one and two and three, you can hear me saying like, oh, this is going to be fucking huge, taking over the world. Conspiracy theories is the new rock and roll, is what I used to say a lot. And I could feel it coming, man. The 2016 happened and Donald came in and it exploded. I think we were getting big even in 2014, 2015 when we started. And then 2016, it went pew, pew, and 2017, it was like boom, boom, next level. 2018 was like fucking next level again. And now we're, I think, a little squeak over 40 million down, career downloads. Um, 176 Jesus. released episodes. 800 public consumable hours and another approximately 500 consumable hours of content on Patreon, which is what fuels the show. And uh, yeah, 1300 oh, hours of stuff gonna, out there, man. That's the fucking, that's those conspiracy that's, guys. That's fucking crazy. Man. And also <laughs> like just to, just to have all of those stats, like off the cuff, ready to go. But like, I, I was going to bring it up. And I'm glad it's come up now. Like, I haven't met, and not to blow smoke up your chimney just because you've jumped on my show, but, like, I got into your stuff because, like yourself, working a nine-to-five, well, not a nine-to-five, working retail, and when I was doing stock and shit, I was like, right, I've exhausted every podcast I could possibly listen to. You know, nothing's really exciting me anymore, you know. And anything, like, because I was big into film, and, like, when we started out, I say we, just me, when we started out, it was just, like, we had a whole film section, and then I was bored of that. And my friend Sean, who got me into, who got me into just those conspiracy goes like, here, listen, stick this shit on. There will be at least one episode from the thousands of <laughs> hours of content that there's there that you will like. And the one that I immediately jumped to it because I was a wrestling fan back in the day was the Chris Benoit episode. And that's very recent. It, that was recorded, I think, in 2018, possibly. Something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, there's a whole there's a whole American trip debacle and the whole fucking thing. It's a real, you know, it's a sore point in my soul that it didn't happen and I often get yeah. asked about it and it's like, look, man, it didn't happen and I, I you know, I really wanted it to happen and I paid a bunch of people for a bunch of stuff that never happened and you know there's, there's no refunds on them shits and you know sure. I got nice cameras which I'm utilizing at the moment but those those episodes that were recorded in 2018 kind of lasted out to 2019 I made a few more I made mm. a studio in Dublin in 2020 and it was ready to go in approximately March 2020 and then like Bo Burnham then something happened and um we only got to use it about 15 times in September and October before we're locked down. Like, Ireland is the most locked down country in in Europe, if not in yeah. possibly in the world. Um, Restrictions and all that stuff. Like, so I don't want to be fucking annoying people and getting my my crew, my, uh, my uh, uh, amalgam of talented guests and co-hosts in trouble for mm. fucking crossing county borders to try and come on the show and being caught at guard at checkpoints and shit like that. Um, Chris Benoit was a really good episode with Jerry McBride who's also on the Tom and Jerry yeah. podcast and he's a writer for Waterford Whispers very talented and knowledgeable gentleman um, yeah hilarious what did you think of that show it was really good like he has a really fucking deep insight into like wrestling lore and the culture right yeah like it was that and it was paired with just like 
because I had learned about because it, it was around the time I suppose because 2016 was the year of like the concussion and people were starting to look into these things like when it came to random sports like heading a football or again hitting rugby or like boxing well boxing's like CTEs and boxing have always been around but it's never been really looked into and I was still very interested in that and just like it was kind of that mix of how much he loved wrestling and the just the shocking and like the rise of Chris Benoit and whoever doesn't know what wrestling is or doesn't know who Chris Benoit is like Chris Benoit was this like not a pick on him until he started dabbling in the roids and juice and stuff like that and then his just he his like his mo was being a workhorse like he gave his body and soul to the label that was WWF or WWE and ended up unfortunately like going off the fucking deep end and what was it murdering his wife and one of his sons and wife and son yeah and then killing himself in a kind of a murdery suicide over the, over a weekend mm. like the grim details of it you could fucking you know bring a tear to a glass eye but at the yeah. same time you talk about Chris Benoit being a workhorse like he's not just like a really hard working wrestler he is like one of the guys that created the culture of like <laughs> The, the baby face and the heel he created the culture of like the family wrestling units like where you have your that eventually turned into like the different factions like all of that stuff from Canadian wrestling his whole family his dad training him being with between him and the hearts and like the business of wrestling when it was just like I don't know what age you are James. What, what age are you I'm 21 fucking hell dude 21 well I wouldn't be 21 <laughs> again where my dick skin was the same colour as my leg skin. <laughs> Fucking hell, shit. It gets darker, bro. Get ready. Um, yeah. Oh. It's like it's like who who fucking wanked me off with fake tan on their hands? It's like nope, the skin just goes Whose like dick that. Is that. Yeah, that's not that's not my dick. I looked that's my dick in the I mirror thought. one day and I said, "Who is that? Who is that guy?" Look him right you in the eye. Um, yeah, like like uh, uh, I remember like being a small chiseler. Now I wasn't a massive wrestling fan. And, you can say that mm. you can hear that on the show and, and my knowledge of it. Like I remember watching like giant haystacks and shit like that on like on ITV. And it went from that like fucking hokey pokey, like hitting each other, hitting each other with the chairs out of the front seat and, and going like big slaps and fucking black leotards mm. into like full personalities, full, like the business of wrestling, like the millions oh, yeah. and millions and millions. Like Chris Benoit was there from the very start all the way to almost the very end. And like his death almost, like almost could have caused like a rift, an irreparable rift in, in wrestling. Um, But yeah. those lads like Vince McMahon who were very, very, very good business people who just got out ahead of it, who knew what the crack was going to be, couldn't maybe yeah. have predicted it. But like it's a really sad story. Jerry McBride is um possibly one of the most knowledgeable men on pop culture that I know. Um, But specifically on wrestling like he's an absolute encyclopedia man i'm trying mm. to get him and adam burgers going like make a fucking wrestling podcast where you talk about that stuff there's also a documentary the dark side of the ring all about uh these yeah, kind of stories. yeah and it just happened to That's coincide good. with the release of this episode as well recorded years ago um so it's nice to see you know like we recorded in late 2018 and then like in early 2020 it got released like it's a long time yeah but um, no it, it's it's really, so really fucking it's rough though. Like I, I watched the dark side of the ring not too long ago. Um, and it was almost like everybody knew, you know, what went down with them. Um, 
Well, what was going what, on everybody? continually, like, and his relationships yeah. with the people who were at the very top. He had, like, mentors and stuff like that, but he was pushed to the very limits and mm. was kind of afraid to say no because the fickle nature of the business meant that if you said no, that you wouldn't get asked twice. And, I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's a certain... Uh, there's a certain kind of a knowledge for people who would think like that, that as as braggadocious and, and as much bravado as he had, he was obviously riddled with self-esteem issues and he was riddled with like, as he was fucking juicing and stuff like that to try and get past the pain that he was feeling from these accidents and the pushing himself and stuff like that. Um, The more he was trying to, like steroids only repair an injury, so he was just working on, his whole body was scar tissue like, and, and you know, it's just really sad that it ends up like that, you know. Oh, it's and it's like it's not the only one. I remember even in that podcast, it, I constantly listen back. But Jerry was talking about like who survived from that like King of the yeah. Ring match yeah. that year, and it's like three people are left, and it was like fifteen years ago. Like that, it, it's it's super sad, insane. Yeah. It's crazy, Big and um, you, you talk about like Vince, and this is not like this is not a wrestling podcast, but like you talk about Vince McMahon, like he. He's a cold son of a bitch. Like you hear, if you've ever seen the Andre the Giant documentary, if you ever hear anything about Chris Benoit, it was like, you're going to perform for me until the wheels fall off. And for both of them, it just like, for most people, it just, the wheels fall off and they can't, can't hack it anymore. But yeah, it's, it's folks. James, how many times, how many times in life can you see that happening to people and not have a visceral reaction in your own personal life? You know, you, you see people, where they're trying to, I don't know, there's this whole kind of cl- climate change, like global warming, anthropogenic global warming thing, right? Where people are being bet over the head with these statistics and these facts of like, it's your fault that the world is burning, the earth is burning because of you and your fucking straws, man. <laughs> I- I- illegalized plastic straws, right? So everyone gets like mm. mildly inconvenienced by not making plastic straws anymore. And yet... China and India and indeed the US are dumping like millions of tons of, of carbon emissions and millions of tons of plastics into the sea. And sure. like the little fucking Starbucks uh, uh, straw that we would like say, oh no, I want a paper straw actually because we're being saddled mm-hmm. with the guilt of all these things. Like there's so only so many times you can be cut before you start realizing like, nah, man, I'm out of here, man. This is, this is bullshit. Yeah. Uh, culture has really changed and you see people like Britney Spears in her conservatorship She's there for fucking, I think, 12, 15 years in that conservatorship. And nobody gave a fuck about that poor cunt. Like, she was no. locked up um, for years and years and years. And only now, I think, there's a a push towards, like, some kind of equity, some kind of uh, fairness, some kind of, like, a generation is coming up behind that are steam steamrolling uh, the, the social media uh, apparatus to make, sure. to affect social change, right? So you're talking about like yeah. people like Vince McMahon pushing people to the edge and you and I in nine to five and retail jobs and looking to get out and looking to try and have options and shit like that. And then along comes this blessing of a pandemic. Now for some people, it's obviously very shit. I understand that. Yeah, hell for some. For other people, they got to work from home and they got to realize like, you know, I don't have to be a fucking wage slave. And now they're wanting the people to come back to work and people are going, no, I'd actually, I'd actually rather quit my job and go fuck yourself then go yeah. back and just stare at a wall because I know I don't have to and I've done it for 18 months now. I know I don't have to. I know I can sit on the sofa with my laptop and answer emails while I'm snuggling my dog. 
Like, I know that if I want to take an extra long shift that I don't have someone knocking on the door going, are you nearly finished? Come on, we've got to hit our numbers before four o'clock. You're like, <laughs> get the fuck away from me or I'll chase you out of the room with shit on my yeah. hand. Like, it doesn't, it's not, <laughs> I've done that before and it's very effective. It's not, um, that's how you get fired. The pr- <laughs> the pr- I got promoted. Um, <laughs> Gordon shows a lot of ingenuity and innovativeness when it comes to productivity. <laughs> I'm just going around. I'm the manager now, and I'm shit on my hands. Just going, do your work. I'm just holding you up real clothes. Yeah, yeah. You don't buy that phone. I'm but, gonna um, fucking rub the shit all over you. <laughs> but people are people are for for want of a better term waking up. You know, to maybe not the fucking. Global oligarchical lizard fucking archon interdimensional pedophile child blood drinkers. Like that's not that's obviously, you know, a whole but, other conversation. But they're waking up to going like, no, I don't want to do that. And I don't have to do that. And life's not about that. Yeah. And sometimes you don't get that until you're forty five or fifty and you're having a nervous breakdown, and you're going, Why am I working my whole off for some fucking law firm and coming into nervous breakdowns and heart attacks? To pay for the liabilities of a massively expensive house, massively expensive car, sure. massively expensive education for my kids. People are realizing that at 22 now going like, fuck this shit. I'm going to go and roll, like, around, gonna ro- roll around in a muck in a field and try and get somebody to suck my dick. Honestly, like, for being 21, like, I've never had, like... As ignorant as it sounds in my life, because I've like, I won't, I won't sure because I have a cushy enough life here <laughs> in Dublin, but, like... It's only now people are starting to, re- and me, me included. Like, uh, it's almost like the veil has been lifted. Like, mm. like as soon like pressure makes diamonds. But in this case, you've made us all really sad and locked us in for three weeks or th- three weeks, like two years. Why am I saying three weeks? But like, because it was originally it, three weeks. That's why. And we were like, oh, okay, I agree yeah. to three weeks, and it's still in the back of your mind. Is that's why you said it? It's yeah, in there because exactly. you were promised that. And then I look at my watch, it's like, oh, like yeah. I was 19 when this fucking pandemic started or whatever, <laughs> however old I was. But like, uh, yeah, no, it's, and people like my age are saying, oh, as soon as I get my degree, as soon as I get enough money, I'm fucking jumping ship. I'm out of here. And can you blame them? Like the amount of shite that's gone on throughout the year and like people really are starting to look behind that curtain, as you say. I know they're not like putting on their tinfoil hats and being like, oh, these fucking lizard people are controlling mm. us and all this mad shit. But they are, like, common people are starting to scratch a little bit above the surface and they're saying, and it only takes a little scratch to realise that what you see under that thin coat that the media portrays and whatever, it it isn't all fucking peaches and cream. It's not, it's not all rosy. Like, we're the only country in Europe to still not have fucking inside dining. Like, uh, it, it's just it's a bit nuts to me but um i thought i think yeah. I, I, i'm trying to come up with a you know a, a term for these kind of things you know and um i don't know if you know much about like uh currency or the, you know global financial market or whatever would you know what a fiat yeah. currency is i have no idea what that so is fiat currency is like uh, the dollar is a fiat currency and okay the, the reason it's fiat is because it's been borrowed on and borrowed on uh, each dollar has had ten dollars or nine dollars borrowed on top of it, printed out by the Federal Reserve. And I have a whole, I have three a triplicate, a, tri- a trilogy of episodes. One is gold and money. Uh, one is J.P. Morgan, and one is the Federal Reserve. And it's a twenty-one hour uh, gargantuan of um, the history of the financial system uh, uh, as it stands um, from kind of the earliest coins pressed in salt 
to the creation of like a unified uh, global banking system in the early 20th century on into like the modern day and the uh, the uh, abdication of the gold standard uh, from dollars in 72 from the Bretton Woods agreement. There's shit going on like this week, next week and the week after that's going to absolutely crash the world economy, right? Um, it's all been planned as part of the Great Reset. There's a thing called like Carbon Paradox or something, or Carbon Flux on this weekend. Okay. And it's the same as Event 201, which ran in October last last year, in 20, October 2019. Sorry, fucking hell. You, I'm, do you know when you're I like, know, yeah. is today Wednesday? No, it's Thursday. Oh, shit. I'm like, 2021? Oh, no, 2020. Like, you missed mm. the whole year, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, in uh, October 2019, there was a year called Event 201. It was all the high, the biggest, um, you know, like, uh, uh, multinational conglomerates and tech companies and all this. Amazon and Apple and fucking Pfizer and, and uh, the CDC and the FBI and the fucking Ku Klux Klan or whoever else, right? And full they all, crew. They, the full, everyone. Everyone's invited to this party. The financial Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> Assemble! And uh, um, so, yeah, they fucking all came together and they did like a war games type thing where it's like, a, here's a fake scenario. and Let's see, has everybody prepared for it? Would it? Could it be done? Would it happen? How will we all get around it? And uh, guess what the fake scenario was? Was it a pandemic? A global pandemic surrounded a, a, a coronavirus outbreak that was yet to be discovered because coronavirus is not an, a, a new thing. There's been coronaviruses for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a coronavirus type uh, illness that would create a Jesus. pandemic that would shut down, you know, all the countries of the world. It's basically like playing Plague Inc. Did you ever play that game on the on the? Oh on yeah, your phone? definitely love that fucking game. Love that game. It's like playing Plague Inc. But you have like Amazon and and Apple and Facebook and fuck, all these people, and they're all starting like, well, if if it happened, wink, I'd make policies on this, wink, only if the wink, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was all in October 2019, and like six months later, the world is locked down. So this week, there was yoke, fuck, I think it's called Carbon Paradox or something like that. I, I, I'll send I'll send the people the, the, the real thing. Uh, sure. I'll put it up on social media. And uh, it's again another War Games type thing. And you know what? You know what? They're, they're all sitting around trying to talk about what's going to happen. You know what the thing is? No, tell me. Global food shortages. Global food shortages and uh, the inability to be able to travel and uh, the crashing of the economies of the world and what we're going to do about it. And then in August, I think August the 11th, there's going to be like a new kind of Bretton Woods uh, Federal Reserve Global Banking um, Seminar conference like where everybody comes together and they're going to decide what we're going to do because, you know, Everybody's mad up to their fucking oxers in debt. There's nobody working. Like everyone's still yeah. giving out like uh, um, these pandemic payments to keep the economy going. We're facing the biggest like global crash of all time, right? And it's all based around the dollar, which is a fiat currency. And a fiat currency is like, um, if people stopped trading with the dollar, if they lost faith in the dollar because it's not backed by anything now at this stage, it's, it's totally overvalued. Yeah. Uh, then it would lose its value, it would drop very fast, and it would end up going into like hyperinflation the way like the Venezuelan currencies did, or some African countries, you get like a billion dollar note or whatever, right? Yeah, sure. So this fiat currency means that it only works if people have faith in it. It only works if people want to use it and want to take part in it. It only works if I have a bunch of it and you need a bunch of it, and I ha- and, and you have something that I want and I'll give it to you and you'll give me the thing. 
But if you don't have faith in the money that I'm giving it to you, you're not going to sell me that thing. So essentially the money that I hold is just paper notes and it's worthless, right? And so, so yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I'm just trying to wrap my head around. So is this like, I know what happened to Venezuela, but like, sorry for any Venezuelan lister, listeners, but like nobody gave a shit. But if it happened to the ah, US... Yeah. But if it happened Everybody to the US, would be like, I don't know. Oh, bollocks. It would. It would like, be all bollocks. But we'd go and move to another stronger currency, like maybe the Chinese yuan, something like that. We'd move to a currency that was actually backed by something that's of value, like oil or yeah. gold or something like that, right? So the reason I'm explaining what a fiat currency is is because it kind of puts the concept of um, what fiat means. It's like a, a faith-based exchange, right? So okay. I think now we're living in this concept I'm trying to come up with. It's like a fiat culture. So we're in a culture that only exists because people partake in it because they want to take something out of it. If we stop participating in it, the value of the currency of that culture dramatically drops. So, for example, you know, um, uh, Kylie Jenner comes out and says, oh, Instagram is so over. I'm on Snapchat. Blam. Instagram stocks plummet by hundreds of millions of dollars. Snapchat fucking skyrockets because there's like a, a cultural shift towards popularity and usability. Um, do you know, Charlie D'Amelio says some shit about a product. It's like, fum, because she has a very high value mm. in this cultural fiat economy. Um, but very quickly, like, you know, James Charles or somebody like that, Mm-hmm. who's like super duper popular and very you know influential and all that stuff and all of ha- has one fella to come out and say like he t- touched my dick and then everything belonging to him is valueless absolutely sure. zero value because it just boom, it's gone cancel culture all this accusations and stuff like that there's it's a real fiat culture where um the stock market the ba- the bull and bear uh push and pull demand and supply applies now to cultural aspects. There's not enough monetary value because people can't really rely on money because not a lot of people have money, but a lot of people have clout. And that's why I think there's a younger generation, I suppose a lot of your friends, would value clout over cash because you can nearly get more with clout than you could with cash. It's this weird kind of hybrid with my age group, but I can see it with because I have siblings like what do you want to be when you're older? Like, I want to be popular. I, I want to be a YouTube star. I want to be famous. Like, there's no sense of a job. There's no sense of I'm going to earn money. It's if I have a reputation, my life is going to be fucking peaches and cream. And it, it, now with my age group, it's half are leaning on the side of like essentially just being complete capitalist, like get as much money as you can possibly grab onto or you invest in this, as you say, this clout, and then hopefully ride that out. Because like every fucking Tom, Dick, and Harry is an influencer these days, but how many make it as a living? It's the same with, like, I suppose in a weird way, it's like podcasting. Like, there's hundreds upon thousands that don't get it all, get off the floor, but then there's these outliers like yourself that can, you know, live off this content. And this is like running away with it a little bit, but like reputation has become in itself its own currency. Yeah. It's, it's very strange. But the thing is, the reason it's fiat culture 
is because at any point, either the platform that you're on, your own good name, the informa- the information that you had proffered as true becoming false, or some other cultural shift away from like, you know, uh, the the particular genre that you're in, people don't talk about mm. that shit no more or something like that. It can very easily change, change on a dime, just like a stock market. Sure. If you have a company and the CEO fucks around and there's like, you know, uh, uh, sniffs around like fucking embezzlement or like tax fraud or fucking he, he's like, you know, raped a bunch of women on Epstein's Island or whatever. The stock yeah. for that company fucking hits the fucking floor. Like e- Elon Musk can come out and say some shit. Elon Musk is such a clever motherfucker. Like he went on Joe Rose's podcast, smoked a joint. And said like, oh, I don't know, like Tesla's great, but I mean, maybe it's not my my highest joy. Like maybe it's not the thing I'll do forever. And the stock for Tesla plummeted, and then he bought fucking loads of it. And then he came out and said, here's a whole lot of new stuff, and SpaceX is brilliant. And then the stock rose back up again. I'm like, you're a fucking genius. And he did the same oh. with like Shiba Coin and Dogecoin and all that stuff, and SNL and everything. And yeah, like the whole um. The whole Bitcoin debacle of him essentially insider trading with himself, but like but, he's a fucking genius. But it's all legal and it's using the cultural the cultural push to absolutely to influence valuable things. Like he's he's the highest influencer level that there can be because he's actually like billionaire who also has like cultural capital, right? So like this, this fiat culture, if you have your mates and they're out chasing clout and they're spending loads and loads of time and loads, loads of money investing and making like a huge like TikTok page and have like two and a half million followers and they have loads of brand deals and they quit their job, right? And they're getting loads of free swag and they're doing all these videos or they're doing Instagram posts, doing stories and getting paid like a few hundred bucks, a couple of thousand bucks. What happens all of a sudden if they're like, I don't think vaccines are cool or I'm not wearing a mask no more or, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton killed, a, made a lot of people, killed a lot of people and made it look like suicide or, you know, uh, I like David Icke or Alex Jones or one of these other people who's not allowed to be talked about. And Instagram just goes, you know what? You're not allowed to say that. Fum, you're gone. That's mm. a whole business gone. Like if you train to be a lawyer, if you train to be an electrician or a fucking plumber or I'm trying to think of like other practical, practical things. Like if you're, if you're, if you're uh, an engineer, an or engineer like or something like that, you're qualified to do the thing. There'll always be a need for that thing. Right. But if you're mm-hmm. an influencer and if you put all your skills and all your time and effort into and invested it in one platform like Instagram or TikTok and they decide like, no, we don't want you no more, you're done. Like that's the fee of culture. Like you are, they'll pull the rug out from under you if they don't want you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing you can do about it. And the same happened with musicians in Dublin. Uh, well, all, all over the world, but particularly in Dublin where yeah. you're not allowed into pubs. Like what the fuck are these bodies supposed to do like? There's fucking yeah. thousands of musicians all over the country uh, and loads of them centralized in Dublin because that's where, you know, that's where most of the venues are. They're all yeah. in Dublin and they're all fucking twiddling their thumbs because they can't play any gigs. They've invested yeah, thousands it, in their equipment. They've probably, you know, done demos and record, done recordings and paid thousands for all this stuff. Promotional material, they're paying for websites, they're paying for, you know, all these different accounts to host their music. They're paying for... Uh, rent in the in the building like probably quite expensive rent but it's worth paying yeah. the rent in dublin which is a very expensive city because you'll make it back in the amount of gigs because there's a lot of places clustered together but then when so, yeah when everything stops you can't make any money like what do you do go home and live in your ma's fucking house or something like down the country like what you know so so i think at the moment people are looking at that fiat culture and going 
why should I invest in a really risk? It's like investing in risky stocks. Yeah. I can invest in it. And if I play by the rules and if I obey and if I, you know, that, that, that fucking hat everyone's wearing, they just go obey. If I obey and do as I'm told and follow the rules, I'll be monetarily rewarded. But if I try and push back with something that's inside of me, something that I think, oh, this is not right. And I speak the truth. I get, I get eviscerated and I lose my ability to earn or at least my ability to create or have a voice online. Some people, yeah. it's not about money. And people are going, no, I don't want that anymore. On both sides. I don't want mm. to be in a system that can, where my life can be switched off remotely by somebody who has a different, like, moral code than me. And yeah. it's kind of reaching out from outside of the conspiracy community, which felt at first, it's starting to reach out into other different communities now where people are putting up content and finding, you know, that they're getting people reporting them for sexually explicit material and this and that or whatever or fucking you know this is not we don't like talking about this kind of stuff um that that fiat culture people don't want to invest in it anymore they're staying at home i want to work from home well you can't work from home if you come into the office well go fuck your job then i'm going to find mm. a job that'll let me work from home you know mm. there's a real advancement and i think like from starting off those conspiracy guys years ago i felt like a real outsider and it was living in yeah. the world of normals and I feel like that the, the bubble has got a little bit bigger, the, the circle, let's say, has got a little bit bigger towards where of course. where I am, where a lot more people are thinking about this shit. A lot more people are like, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. A lot more people are like, you know, uh, why are we doing this? Like, what's the fucking crack? Mm. How long are you going to keep us locked down? So much so that they're out in, out in South William Street, Every you know, day. going up against the guards, like it's the fucking Guildford Four, or like it's like the fucking Troubles up the North, or something like going, it's, we it's want the awesome. pints. You know? It's crazy. Amazing. But in saying that, to just take it, I suppose, a little bit away from the fear culture, and in saying that, like, I'm, I'm going to jump, I now know which rabbit hole I'll be jumping into <laughs> for the next week or so, but <laughs> you said, like, when you started that off, and, like, because you, you must have started off with conspiracies, but then you've gone to the true crime side, like, like the toy box killer and yeah. Chikatilla and stuff like that. Like, has it... What's how am I trying to say this? Has it had any effect on you from looking up all this stuff? Like this is like it's some, and you do quite a great job at keeping that torture porn side of it away from the podcast, so it's accessible to be listened to by anybody. But you have to like you have to watch those videos. Like if it's the Luca Magnata thing, like you need to search up what the toy box killer did out in Mexico or Chikatilla fucking biting boobies off of people like he, he <laughs> like the strange cunt nipple, that he nipple was. skips exactly like yeah. fucking like prong cocktails like, he, exactly like he grew up in that Ukrainian area where they were cooking children in the yeah. stew like he, he he's a he's a mad, mad cunt but has that is it like oh this is just like white noise to me now or is it actually does it weigh on you a bit um that's a real Dr. Phil type of question there man you know are you trying to make me? Would how much? Like how much would it be worth if you got if you got me to cry on a show? Like would that be? A oh, if thing? you if, if you got to cry on like my do show, it. like uh, you will never live it down. It'll be but vi- like, <laughs> yeah, I'll be selling fucking vi- out t-shirts. Viral shit. No, do you know no, what it is, right? Do you know what it is, right? Do you do you as a, as a man and you're twenty two? I'm sorry. Did you say twenty two? Twenty one. Twenty one. Nearly twenty. Twenty one and a half. 
Yeah. Right, so you're 21. Uh, how often do you access your emotions? How often would you say you honestly interact with your thoughts and your feelings being on the same level? Like you think, oh, fuck you. But, but you know, your brain goes, fuck you. And then your heart is, fuck you. And then your mouth is like, ah, okay. Mm. Like how many times do you honestly engage with your emotions? If you're sad, where you tell people you're sad or act sad or, you know, it, it, it's this and talk about fucking Dr. Phil questions it's now like this cold war can I make you cry or will you make well me no cry? it's but, not a it's not a cold war it's well, quite a well, warm war I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's a pre, it's a prelude to a, a, a like a very honest answer but I kind of need a, a small bit of context from somebody else because no, it, it sounds like a weirdo when I say it like I it's strange because I would have said no two years ago yeah but now through all of this like I've had moments um, where, like, the, it's just like the sun doesn't shine. You're like, like, what the fuck is wrong with me? What's wrong with the world? Like, you just you can't get out of this funk. And I wouldn't call it depression because I thankfully never had it. But like, this anxiety that creeps into you, it it like it makes you sad. And I wouldn't say if I'm sad, I would shed tears. But I'd be somebody that would have a relatively short fuse. And if I um, if I'm thinking angry, I will let you know it. Yeah. Whatever. I feel like everybody has that wall that, oh, my heart's saying, fuck you. My head's saying, fuck you. But I'll just, you know, blurt out something nice or say whatever. So, would yeah. You sit, would you sit with it? Would you Would you go like, okay, I'm feeling anxious. Uh, it's locked yeah. down. I don't know what's going to happen in my future. Um, I don't know, like uh, all the work that I'm doing in school and college and all that stuff kind of was a waste of time so there's a little bit of a little bit of regret possibly possibly because you trusted in the system a little bit of shame um possibly a little bit of like guilt for not you know preparing better or maybe doing a little bit more work to get a bit further i'm just saying these are universal feelings i'm not i'm not yeah like, no I'm, i haven't stolen your diary and i'm not reading it out like that. Like, <laughs> but i'm just saying like well, these are the, like these are the things that people like the, the sadness people go like i feel sad and then you go like, yeah, but that's like saying I feel mad or I feel bad. Yeah. You know, it's a very front facing uh, emotion. It's a very like broad um, description. If mm. you get down into the nitty gritty of how those emotions are, then you're able yeah. to maybe look at like where they come from. People get triggered now the whole time. So if somebody yeah. says, says some shit and you're like, oh, that triggers me. It's like, what do you mean triggers you? That is after promoting like an adrenaline spike and probably some cortisol as a, like a fight or flight mechanism because I, I don't like that thing. I want to be away from it, but also mm -hmm. I'm compelled to look at it. And mm. I, You know, is it from an experience that you had? Is it from a, a core memory that happened when you were a child? That happened more recently? Is it just like a political triggering because of your yeah, identity? Yeah. It's wrapped up in a whole bunch of societal um, norms and societal habits that you have to partake in because your friends, if you didn't do that, you'd be ostracized from your group of friends. So somebody says like, wear a mask and you're like, mask, I'm triggered. Bah! Why are you triggered? Is it because you're compromised or because if you don't wear a mask, all your friends will think you're a cunt? Like, we but people don't go in and really dig into why those feelings yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I think, like, to get, I suppose, a little philosophical on you, like, that's that's what I think 
because I've sat with it and it stewed in my mind, but I think that's what anxiety is. That's like this megazord, yes. but megazord. there's these pieces that need to stick together to make this thing. So that could be the anger. That could be the sadness. If you've lost somebody and all of this, if, if your job like is, isn't treating you well, like it's, it's all just like more pieces to the monster. Yeah. And, and there's like, if you don't start breaking down pieces, it'll grow into this monster and you won't be the strongest power ranger to fight it. It'll fuck you up. And like, it's this crazy thing now where I've like, I kind of grew up in the era where you're told to speak out about your mental health and stuff like that. But I, from my life, I was like, I've, I've never had any mental health problems. And then now this is hitting me. I'm like, oh, this is what they were talking about. Everybody and now I'm putting me- that has, to practice. Everybody has mental everybody. health problems, just like everyone has like a sore ankle or like sure. I, had a, I, hurt, I hurt my arm. Like everybody, it might not be a broken arm. You might not have ever had to have pins in your arm or an amputation, but everyone's hurt their arm. Do you know? Definitely. At different variations of seriousness. Yeah, that's it, man. And like, as I said, some people have the knowledge and the, I suppose, the mental toughness to get over it. And some people don't. So, yeah. So to answer your question, with that in mind, that context of that accessing of the emotions or the, the identification of feelings and stuff like that. There's a long time when I really didn't access any emotions at all, that I was very cold, that when something would happen uh, externally or internally, that I'd just be like, oh yeah, well that feels weird. Mm. Have some cake or, you know, drink or drugs or, you know, have a fight mm-hmm. with somebody or, you know, pick a fight like, with a stranger on a Lewis and just be like, oh, you look like a prick, you know, mm. or like can ring up customer care for Sky and just like fight with them for 40 minutes just for the laugh, <laughs> do you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so the, the coping mechanisms of how somebody would deal with those emotions. So when you're looking at murder or stuff and you're trying mm. to get into the, the nitty gritty, right? So my, my, my show started off as, like a conspiracy show with a very broad brush of what conspiracy theories are. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about 9-11 and JFK and Sandy Hook and all these like big hitters that are like, oh, yeah, that's a weird thing. And it's definitely a conspiracy of sorts. Of course, there was yeah. a bunch of people conspired to, you know, whatever. But then in season one and two and three and four and then five. So I think four started the true crime ones. But most of the ones from one, two and three and a bit of four, most of them like had true crime peppered in them anyway. But they were just mm. under conspiracy theory. So like Madeleine McCann and Charlie Manson and stuff like that, that that are that they're like a true crime case. They're not like a conspiracy. Yeah. Uh, the definition of what a conspiracy is is super loose. And there's some people that are super purists about it going like, oh man, you used to be cool. You used to be doing conspiracy theories all the time. And now it's just true crime bullshit. And I'm like, but sure, half the stuff before it was labeled true crime was yeah. true crime anyway. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, with the, obviously, the proliferation of popularity of the true crime genre in podcasting because of stuff like uh, S Serial and S Town and you know this mm-hmm. kind of stuff, uh, West Cork and stuff like that. That you know it it behooved me to have a, a very delineated true crime wing, but also I was mm-hmm. looking for a way to be able to talk about all these mad cunts because like talking about psychopaths and murderers and people who are you know beyond the pale as regards like humanity and their their um fucking disregard for human life and safety and you know uh, uh, the social contract and um you know cultural uh, appropriateness and stuff like that where you're not supposed to like 
like Ed Kemper being a real fucking weirdo around young ones and then yeah, like yeah. you know you know cutting off their heads and fucking their throat holes or Ted Bundy going hey can you come over here and they were they were relying on relying on the kindness of strangers strangers like Ted Bundy would be like can you help me with a box of a busted arm and then the next thing she'd yeah. be fucking fucked to death in a forest and then buried and then dug up a week later and fucked again because he's a sick cunt yeah, man. And then Jeez. he tried to blame society. He was, society made me like this in his interviews. No one, he was on camera doing all that shit. Mm-hmm. And we, there's people like that who are politicians. There's people like that who are like CEOs of companies that run the social discourse, like, mm-hmm. or, or at least work in those companies, like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Well, I mean, Facebook and Instagram are the same thing, but like all of these, you know, uh, the people running YouTube, like, you don't think mm-hmm. that they're getting their kicks and jollies. The same way that, I don't know, Jeffrey Dahmer did by, you know, trying to bore holes in young lads' heads in order to turn them into, like, minus sex zombies. Because he wanted to have complete control over somebody. Now, whether it be sexually or or otherwise, he wanted to have complete control and not give him the fucking horn. Mm. What better way to have complete control over somebody is if you're able to control their thoughts and their speech and the people they interact with. You're able Mm. to control the new things that they discover. Like... Just exploring murderers and serial killers is a fucking gateway into exploring the people behind the conspiracies. Because they're the same people, man. They just don't go out and nickel and dime and kill fucking six nurses in a house like Richard Speck. Totally. They fucking become the CEO of a company and they control hundreds of millions of people's Mm. day to day, uh, uh, you know, existence. Like that's the the ultimate fucking hole in the head sex zombie, do you know? Yeah. So like the true yeah. crime stuff, you really like. I had my emotions switched off for a long time, and I'm trying to get back into like feeling again and trying to share sure, my sure. feelings. And, you know, you're going through some shit like, and obviously the last eighteen months has helped or hindered. I don't know how you would say it, but mm. when you're trying to access your emotions, um, in order to understand somebody else's emotions, I think they call that empathy. Is that is that what that, that's called? Yeah, I haven't learned yeah, that yeah. one yet. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But when you're trying to do that to a murderer, you're discovering the dark, you're throwing light into the dark corners of what humanity is. Do you know? Yeah. We're all in this big room and there's cunts in the dark in the corners and they're still in the room and they still have as much sway and they still have as much, you know, input as the rest of Mm. us. But there's nobody shining any lights on them, nobody's talking to them. Like, let's look Mm. at those people and learn from it. They're historical, they're they're historical markers. So my show is now a history show more, more than anything. Like I talk yeah, about yeah, history yeah. and I look at it through a conspiratorial lens. It's just, it's just the function of examining history is conspiracy theory, but it's still, yeah, definitely. this shit happened. These people did it. Here's another lad like it. I predict that this thing is going to happen into the future. And then it mm. does because it's happened already. So it didn't turn into a true crime show. It already kind of was, but I just labeled it differently. Um, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't affect me, I don't think, anymore. I'm kind of used to it. I know it's a story and it's not mm. really, like, it doesn't hang on me. Yeah, but I would yeah, still, yeah. I would still think, like, fuck, there's people out there like that, man. Still. Yeah, yeah. You know, Larry Murphy is yeah. still free. Like, <laughs> Sure, yeah. He's, he's a fucking carpenter or something yeah. now. It's like, it, it, it's, it's crazy. And, like, I think this is going to be the smoothest segue ever now because, like, we can look at Jeffrey Dahmer, we can look at Ed Kemper and we can look at like Gacy or whoever mm. out in the States, but there's still that, I suppose, Oh, 
there's nobody around here like that. You know, there's nobody in Dublin that's like that. There's nobody out in West Cork and Skull oh, like that. It's oh, a number. Oh, it's oh. a numbers game, though. It's a numbers game. All you have to do is get the right like amount of people. Think about how many fucking not, serial killers are in New York, but how many people are living in New York? Like it's a fucking do you numbers not think, game. I always used to think that, like, because I remember going out, like, and there's always this idea, like, oh, Dublin people think, or like, if you're from any kind of cities, like, oh, you just think Galway and out the west is this big pile of nothing with just grass and hills and rocks. It's like I've been to the west, and it fucking is like that. And honestly, <laughs> there's, there's, if somebody wanted to Mostly. murder a total village, yeah. And just knock the fucking houses down. Nobody would know. Yeah. Like, like there could be anybody out there. And in this case, there now, he, whoever, whoever, unfortunately, took the life of Madame uh, Tuscan de Plantier. Like they were out there in Skull in Cork, and I suppose now this is a lovely well, neat they, way of. Yeah, they may not be still living in Skull, oh, but or maybe they are. I know. And yeah, fuck, man. Like, it's, where, where the, the defamation, the defamation papers are going to land on your on your doorstep, oh, 100%. man. Not on my... <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, like, what did you say about that? It's like, I'm still living in school. What do you mean by that? Nothing, Mr. Bailey or whoever or any other member of school. Uh, um, but uh, Sophie, Mr. Mr. Irish Cream, let's call him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Mr. Shite Poems. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Where where do you start with this? Sophie Toscano Plante died in twenty on the twenty third of September nineteen ninety six, three years before I was even born, at the age of thirty nine. Independent filmmaker, one son with Daniel Toscano Plante, um, and she was an independent filmmaker. Now, she came from the glitz and glamour of Paris. And I think the question in most people's minds when this hit, certainly in my mind, when she was unfortunately murdered, what the fuck is she doing out in school? Like, Yeah, I think the people there, a lot of them, um, I watched the Jim Sheridan documentary recently, and uh, mm. a lot of the people who own a lot of the houses out there, it it, it turned at, the, at that time in the 90s from like a very parochial Irish village, which had a lot of like, legacy people living there and a lot of older people and when they die they leave the house to a younger family that had moved out into different areas of Ireland mm. if not abroad and then they sold those houses and people moved in from like England from Europe from America and there's a lot of people all around the bay there in school yeah. that are all living there for 20 years or more and none of them are locals so like they're to have a holiday blowing. home, yeah, blow-ins. Like so, to have a holiday yeah. home as a as a kind of a a glitz and glam Paris uh, f- par- par- Parisian filmmaker, married to a very rich and and famous like director and 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 film producer, like four hundred films or something he has under his belt. You Crazy, know? like like he's sitting there <laughs> shoulder to shoulder with Jack Nicholas. Like he yeah, was yeah. the he was the top like the top fucking dog in yeah. Paris. And I didn't realize this, but I had to do but it minimal digging she actually went out uh when she was in her teens and she had an exchange 
out in some part of Ireland. I don't know if it was Cork now, but that, that's apparently the origin. She liked it so much that, listen, I'll just buy a house with all my boatloads of cash that I have, I suppose, accumulated from what this you, great life. The west of Ireland, um, in the southwest, northwest, anywhere anywhere past, like, you know, Tullamore, mm. um, um, very attractive to... Yeah, famous people. Do you know, like Julia Roberts has a house out out in Mayo here. Do you know? Uh, oh. What's your What's your man's name? Uh, <clears throat> Ferris Bueller. What's that lad's name? Uh, oh, Matthew or Matthew Broderick. Yeah, yeah. Matthew, Matthew Broderick, Broderick has yeah. a house up in Donegal, and uh, uh, yeah, he killed two people. Uh, yeah, not uh, to not Jesus. two women down his car. I just like to say that about Matthew Broderick because people forget about it. But um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Like, there's loads of famous people out here. Fucking Matt Damon. It's practically yeah. practically living in in Holt or Bray or something like that. Yeah, and who was um who was Abraham uh, or uh, my left foot and um there would be blood. Oh, the fuck is his name? Daniel Day Lewis. Day Lewis has a house out here, like like one of the most acclaimed actors. So like it's you're right, it's not crazy to think that there could be the rich people out here because it's it's quite. I suppose well, people it's leave you alone. People don't, Irish yeah. people wouldn't be, like, I wouldn't give it to him. I wouldn't give it to him to talk to him. Beyonce and Jay-Z walking around the Fino. And people are yeah. like, I wouldn't fucking give it to him to fucking lick his hole. Fuck him. I know he's Jay-Z. <laughs> I wouldn't fucking, <laughs> what am I going to do? Ward, how are you, Jay? What's going on? Cousin, all right. Cousin called Jay, you know what I mean? Load your, your music and all that. Uh, your board is fucking savage as Jeez, well. fucking tops. I wouldn't fucking give it to him. Do you know what I mean? He thinks he's fucking <laughs> great going around. Uh, so that's the way it is Like they wouldn't uh, Irish people leave people alone um, Oh yeah 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 Except Bono of course Who had to flee to the Netherlands oh, Stop well. being called a cunt For some reason I but, was gonna uh, say Yeah, <clears throat> yeah Pegging peg peg Roxy's house in Kalini But oh, it just geez. It just seems like uh, For her to move to Cork Doesn't seem that weird to me um, It seems like a really nice place to go Very remote uh, Unfortunately for her murder Too remote Yeah Do you know It's, yeah. a, great, it's a great place to go kill somebody Like you said it's like when you say it's in the middle of but fuck nowhere it is in the middle of but fuck nowhere like it is it's at the very end tough. of the middle yeah it, it's tough to find like they even say in one part of the the netflix documentary like the only check like the only way you would find like sophie's uh holiday home would be if you knew the area yourself because it's all winding roads yeah. and it's off roads and stuff like that so like already in saying that, like the pool of people that you can possibly have to do this murder is already limited. Are you saying it has to be a local because the house is so hard to find? Well, I'm saying that. It's a logical well, leap. I'll give it to you. It's a logical leap. What I was, what I saw and was told was that there, it would be very tough for a blow-in to locate the house and get in and out relatively. I suppose unknown, but then again, like the house is in the middle of fucking like on a like on a rock somewhere. Well, not on a rock, on a hill. So like, you could like she could have been left there for days, which she wasn't, but she could have been if it was a little more remote. So yeah, that's that's what that's what I think, anyways. Well, I don't know. Have you ever lived anywhere really remote? Yeah, I have. Uh, well, I've never. Well, live is a is a tough one but I've been and have lived in these locations yeah I think there's a there's a there's something about those type of communities especially Irish communities with that um 
mentality that kind of the, the, the local culture mm. everybody looks in on everybody else everybody knows everybody else if there's an extra car mm. you'll, you'll notice it it's not like super remote yeah. it's not like the way Dublin is now not like in the rare old times Jimmy you know what I mean when you knew your neighbours and you could call in for an old bag of sugar and an old cup of tea and you know you wouldn't have to ring, you wouldn't have to text ahead of time and be like I'm coming over at half two and it'll be me ringing the doorbell so you don't have panic attack you know what I mean the rare old times and the people, good old people, days yeah the good old days and uh uh, people would know what you're fucking at. They'd know if you had extra people, or someone else staying in the house. Rumors are flying mm. around, you know. Like I've heard of yeah, you know, yeah. uh, 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 married women, and they'd have somebody else's car. And like, who? Oh, the car? Well, and there was a man in town. Well, he bought, and the man and he bought cigarettes in the local shop, and then his car was seen, and blah blah blah. And the reports of the and the shopkeeper are talking to go in and go. So Mary, tell me, here's a man with the long coat inside in the shop mm. there inside. He's buying the cigarettes inside. Like just this kind of like fucking um, the grapevine, you know the the yeah 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 the the it keeps the things fresh, I suppose. Yeah, like they yeah. would know, and like you said. Uh, Sophie Tuscan the Plante wasn't 24 hours out murdered mm-hmm, outside no. the lane before the neighbour came down the way and found her like I don't think she mm. would have been there for a very long time even though it is so remote yeah. people do be moving around people will be calling in asking how are you how are you getting on and it's 1993 well, as well so like there was more yeah, of that yeah. happening now people sure, are I, a bit more disparate and social media and text messages yeah. phones and stuff like yeah, no, it, it, it's it's strange because she was found by a neighbor that was dropping off um, firewood or something mm. like that. Because like, something really you country. see that like, so, yeah, super yeah. country, like fucking I don't know cabbages or something. But um, <laughs> um it, it, like if you Sophie, see I'm specs, here with the cabbages. Oh, it's such a fucking well, culture thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you're having that. I'll see you later. Like, yeah. like really mind your own business type of shit. But um. Like apparently there wasn't a murder in school for in living memory that anybody was there. So this is like completely new territory, and it like, as they say, like you would get paranoid in that small community, and you would think, like you'd be pointing the finger at the weird cunt in the village, and there's probably only a handful of them. So you're like, oh yeah, I'd say he could be doing. It. And I'd say this like mad paranoia went through people's minds, like oh yeah, I'd say it could be that fat. like I saw, and literally what you said, like, oh, he was in this car in a big rumors, long coat yeah. with a fucking hat and rumours going around. It's like, oh, I'd never, but me, I'd never do it. You know, I'm, I'm perfectly normal. And I suppose the, the main, well, the fingers were pointed at solely at one of the village weirdos that is in Bailey. Yeah, the Sassanac. Mm, yeah. So like, of course, like, they were, he, of course he, they were going to point to the English, Englishman, of course, of course, but like born in Manchester, but he was also England. he was also no 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 offense to Ian Bailey, he's yeah. also a fucking bit of a cunt. He didn't do himself I, didn't do himself any fucking favors, right? Such a cunt, such a cunt. <laughs> he, like like I don't care. Like if you haven't murdered her, like okay, but there isn't. There's no reason why you should still be on the streets for how big of a arsehole you are like how do you get how do you get that six foot three noggin of yours up your hole and get it yeah. out every time like yeah. such like he had this inflated ego and he moved after working in manchester and in gloucester and stuff like that as a as a journalist and he i, I think he had this idea that oh 
I could be like the savior of this. Well, not the savior, but I could be essentially the big swinging dick in the middle of this small Irish town. And I'm going to live this semi frugal life. And like, I'm going to essentially live in a fantasy. And then he probably realized that like that fantasy that he had in his mind didn't mix well with the reality of the place. And like, even now, and even back then they were like, Jesus, like he was a dickhead. Like he was an arsehole. Yeah, even so, the, the Jim Sheridan doc, he, he was very, you know, brash, braggadocious. Yeah. He was very, you know, his machismo and ego were, were definitely on display. He was even saying stuff like, you know, my journalism, my, my, my journalism career was floundering. So, I mean, what else could I do but, uh, you know, kill a young woman and make a story out of it? And you're like, that, that's the kind of shit but, that's going to get you in jail, you shoe cunt. But that's the thing is, is it, it was it a case that and like this is all hearsay in, mm. in my mind, but like was it a case that his vision or his fantasy wasn't going the way it planned? And he was like, Oh, I know how people are going to start talking about me, but I have to play this kind of cool and I'm like going he, to like you saying, like he, le- he leaned into the rumors just to get a bit of clout, maybe, maybe, or maybe, maybe, maybe he, he invested in the in the fiat culture. Of the murder uh, at the time, uh, and then uh, the fucking, and then the fucking, the 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 margin call came in when the cops actually went looking for him. And he's like, "Oh no, I was only acting a big man to try and get a bit of clout." Uh, do you actually think I did it? Yeah, yeah. And, and all the stocks went bottomed out. Yeah, that's it, man. Well, the, well, the stock of Ian Bailey was fucking pennies to begin with. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. with six foot three and six foot three, full of arsehole, all of yeah. them. He's a like such a dickhead. And like even in those, I don't know if if you watched the uh, Netflix doc, but like he he's getting interviewed, and like it's like he's sitting there and having a cup of tea with you. And like there's this one point where not to jump the gun, but like. He was called many times by the guards in the area for beating his wife. And, like, his wife's, like, not a fucking pick on her. Jules, what's her name? Jules. Thomas. Holland. Thomas. Jules Thomas. And um, like, not fucking picking her. And he's, like, playing hacky sack with her head. Like, yeah. he's nailing her around the gap. Yeah. And, like, she it got, shows she got, the, she got Chris Brown around the place. She got crispy browned. She yeah. was fucked up. Uh, like burst eye, like almost lost an eye apparently yeah, due really bad. from doctors uh thought. And um it's it's kind of sad thinking back to it. Like I, I was watching this with my dad and he was like shaking his head because the DPP didn't look closer into him being the possible murderer because beating your wife at the time wasn't really that big a deal back in the day, which is sad to say, but like I have they, to say, they didn't care. I have to say from the outset. Uh, I don't think Ian Bailey did it. Uh, really? Yeah, and there's no evidence to say that he did do it. A lot of it is no. circum- a lot of it's circumstantial. And Very. The easiest option is not often the correct one. So, okay. I think that it's very easy to find okay. an outsider, a blow-in, who had a violent yeah. past, who yeah. wa- who had some sort of stake at least in the benefit of the you know the clout and the 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 monetary return that he got from her debt may have sure. been some sort of a motive, like even if it's a tertiary uh, benefit yeah, yeah, to yeah. him. Like would would somebody kill somebody in order to write a bunch of articles to make a bunch of money? 
Possibly. And like we're talking about those true crime things, like there are mad cunts doing mad shit all day, every day, right? Yeah. Possibly. But the fact that there are no, no concrete evidence, and I think moreover, the blatant, wanton, and vastly uh, prolific mistakes, mm. the the disregard for uh, evidence for protocol, the the gross negligence of Ongar Chiacona and the, uh, the 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 coroner, the uh, what's around his name, Harbison. Um, yeah, yeah. Not coming down in time, and the body being out there for I think forty eight hours out the elements, and you're missing out they on didn't. the time of death. You're missing out on you yeah. know all this kind of stuff. Uh, Evans getting washed away, is not under fingernails, like all the, all the shit that you would have yeah. to nail a cunt, especially like in a an uncontrolled environment like a laneway with a cement block, and there yeah. wasn't one tip or screed of evidence, as well as a whole bunch of policemen fucking it up it really had oh. it really had the smell of Stephen Avery off it to me for making a murderer yeah. where they just it, needed it, it, some cunt to go down for it if not mm. actually go down to hang the blame on in the public eye and I think Ian Bailey was very convenient in that regard and that it yeah. possibly could have been uh, a French or international assassin hired by somebody to do with her, to do with her husband, and that's why no one has ever been found, and no one has ever been prosecuted. Yeah, like, well, Ian like Bailey that. is innocent in my mind. In the eyes of the court, the French court, uh, they, they judged him guilty. Yeah, but the, see, the law in France is different. Yeah, no, so they it's were able to take actually, they were able to take public public testimony and public admissions of guilt said in jest yeah. or sarcasm, and use yeah. them as as statements of intent, um, now, because. They, I, I, if you look at the uh, Amanda Knox case, James, right? the Amanda Knox case, you had stuff, you had lawyers and you had judges coming out and saying, when uh, Americans uh, were scrawling pictures of a buffalo so on, the, on, the, on the cave walls, uh, uh, we had courts, yeah. uh, we had a full judicial system, okay? So you come over here, tell us how to practice the law. Like they were fucking stingy that somebody mm. died some somebody died in their country and they didn't know mm. who done it or they couldn't prove it. Like they looked like fucking Egypts. So oh, they absolutely. had to stick it to Amanda Knox. They had to give her the ringer. Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I think the same thing here with Ian Bailey, the same thing with Stephen Avery. There's somebody had egg on their face. The guards looked like fucking Egypts. This was a cud yeah. like a rural like remote private location. They mm. needed somebody to go down and if not to jail or in court, the French they fucking, they just wanted like a Benge. They just wanted like, yeah. I we have to have somebody stand for this because as French people, she was a French citizen, we changed the rules and our laws so that we could prosecute people outside of our country for killing French people mm -hmm. abroad. Nobody else mm -hmm. does that shit. Like the super yeah, French yeah. thing. And they're like, yeah, we're going to prosecute him if he ever sets foot in here. If he ever sets foot in France, he is in jail forever. You know what's fucking... It's it's crazy, and then like you're like, oh, uh, will you let Polanski go? No, he's ours. Yeah. You're not allowed to have him. It, like it's 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 crazy, and like we could talk. Oh, and there should be a whole new fucking show of how Bob the guards at the time did. Like like there was some fella, or they they didn't have a, f a photographer because cameras were so tough to have 
back those days to try and take a picture of Ian Bailey's hands that were all cut up allegedly from the, the barbed wire yeah. and the bambles and stuff. And they were like, oh, well, we don't have a, uh, we don't have a camera around here. Well, what's our next best option? Right, well, we're just going to fucking trace his hand and draw a few fucking lines on it. It's like, oh, look, there's the scrapes there. Go on, Ian. You're fucked now. You know, yeah. down the swanee. Like, no wonder he got off. And now a gate, like, mysteriously goes missing that had blood on it. Like, they didn't paint themselves in glory. I think you're, I think now, now that I have another opinion coming in on this, you're starting to maybe open my eyes a little bit. And you're right. Somebody needed to have their head on the chopping block so it didn't, look like they were completely incompetent but even without having somebody on the block they looked even more incompetent yeah um, and ian bailey just fit the profile he was he was a stranger in yeah. town plus the fact he did a fucking my cousin Vinny on it like all mm. over the town you know what i mean you ever watch my cousin Vinny? of course classic and he's like i shot the clerk i shot the clerk you say you heard it himself like gentlemen he said I shot the clerk. I asked him again. He said, I shot the clerk. Like, mm-hmm. Ian Bailey's going around going, of course, of course I killed her. And on paper, yeah, some yeah. French cunt with no fucking sense of irony is looking at that yeah. going, well, he said he shot, he, he killed her, so, you know, but yeah, they yeah. got, like, it's, it's uh, bananas. Now, I know no, a lot it, of people are probably going to be stinging at me for saying, like, Ian Bailey's totally guilty. Have you listened to the West Cork podcast? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. because the West Cork podcast also have an agenda and they also want to be able to wrap it up nicely with a bow sure. and leave you wondering, geez, did Ian Bailey do it? And go like, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but maybe he did. And that's fucking oh. great storytelling. It's good business for podcasting. It fucking smashed all the charts, got super famous. Totally. Like Sam Bungie did a world tour. Like he did his job. But yeah, yeah. definitely at the expense of the reputation of Ian Bailey. Like... Mm. I don't know, man. Like, there's um, there's a lot to be said for proper ju- ju- judiciary, ju- jurisprudence. Yeah, like, there's yeah. a lot to be said. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it was me or you, wouldn't you like to be able to go like, okay, well, I want to be able to have an unimpeachable uh, representation in court and not have, sure, you know, the likes of, uh, what's your man's name from Stephen Every case, Katz, you know that guy? That, the oh, lawyer? yeah, yeah, yeah. Who do daily briefings and go, here's all the reasons that Stephen Avery is guilty but not in court. Okay. And like, what a little <laughs> slimy cunt, like, to oh, do yeah. that. Like, and, it, it, and then with this, but then not to go back and forth in like, like in chronological order, but like there was a point where Bailey was a freelance journalist. He knew how to play that game of yeah. journalism. Yeah, he yeah. knew he like he he played the game and he played it well. And he even said, "Oh, I made enemies, and that's how you know you're doing your job like well if you're making enemies." That's what cunts and say. You, well, <sighs> well, you won't find a bigger cunt than Ian Bailey. Cunts often say that. It's like, well, I know well, I'm doing a good job if I'm making enemies. And like, no, you're being a great cunt, though. Absolute cunt. But, <laughs> you know, but then it, it, there's this that's crazy job, thing where that, that's his you need job, a heel. You need a heel, right? Listen, there's gonna, there's always gonna be. Uh, oh, I was trying to think of a. There's always going to be a stone cold to the Benoit. Does that line <laughs> up? Is that it? <laughs> there's, there's always going to be the CTs to Benoit. But um, there's like, he, there was this point where like, oh, a girl's being murdered in school, and uh, he goes, oh yes, but. She wasn't like sexually defiled or assaulted. It's like, but like nobody's seen the body yet, Ian. 
like how do you know it's just like oh it's just like it's just handiwork and there's pictures of him looking in the window and then the there was this huge I suppose but then that's you can say that's just because he's a freelance writer I mean you can't train an old dog to do new tricks that's his his mo and then there's this whole idea that she had a lover over that there was two glasses on the counterboard which is completely like that's bollocks total fabrication and an emotional it's an emotional appeal to fill in the blanks in a narrative there was talk of like the two the here we go now there was two chairs in the kitchen both facing each other possibly the chairs of two lovers exchanging romantic conversation over a fireplace or possibly it was some french bitch with cold feet reading her book and throwing her feet up on the chair in front of the fucking range like why would you manufacture a false a narrative that's a that's a gross appeal to emotion in order to create another emotion inside of somebody which is like disdain suspicion uh you know uh, um the 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 infidelity like it's all it's and you know what that is that telling that story with the two chairs that's almost like the the grandest sin of victim blaming because she was an adulterous woman who was staying in a Mm. mysteriously and inexplicably staying in a house uh, away from her her husband and her child at christmas time child yeah like, why would you leave your child at Christmas time, you bad mother? And also, you slutty, mm. fucking sloppy pussy cunt. Yeah. You're sitting opposite a man in a chair that's not your husband. How dare you even open your mouth to another man that doesn't have a ring on it that matches your ring? Oh. You fucking slut. I'm glad you got killed. Like, that's some that's tabloid. Back then. But some tabloid fucking paper selling bullshit, son. Oh, like, absolutely. That's what they were at. All up and down. To Bailey to Sophie Toscan de Plantier up and down until it became such an untenable uh, force for mistakes and uh, negligence on the part of the guards that they just had to like lock it down all con- all narratives converging to one let's make this and try and hammer it in dude I, there's a fucking series on Netflix uh, it might be on Sky as well now um, Confessions is called okay and it's a whole series of I think about two dozen people who were arrested now i know it's american cops so it's probably doesn't apply here but um you're they're arrested by american police and basically like poor brendan dassey uh forced into a false confession or they were asked questions around and around and around in circles over like 10 or 12 or 14 or 24 hours and they got two answers wrong that didn't match and then they were like well you got that wrong so bam and they just they just needed to nail somebody for this fucking murder and you, yeah. you didn't answer the question right after 24 hours. So you're and they're fucking five and six and seven years in jail before they're able to get an appeal to show that they actually had an alibi. And the reason that they were in, oh, the only reason they were in jail is because they fucked up the, con, the the interview and confessed by accident. So like yeah. that shit happens all the fucking time. These yeah, boys yeah, yeah. want quick justice, especially when there's, there was no hope, no hope. Of them guards finding who actually killed her. Whoever no, done it no. was an absolute pro. Yeah. Nobody found anything. There was hair in her hand and they were like, oh, there's hair in her hand. Oh, fuck, it's her own hair. Oh, oh there's shit under her fingernails. Oh, it's just muck. Yeah, like, it's that shit. That, but is, is, it, is it a case, though, that it's it was done by a pro or they were just egregiously bad guarder? That they were like they like 
they didn't have a clue. And like, both, there's the sergeant who was in charge that was like, listen, that shit stayed with a lot of the men. It was like, yeah, because they got to be guards to make sure nobody was punching the head off each other after a few too many in the pub and they could all laugh it off and like have money in their pocket and stuff like that, get a decent pension. Like they didn't sign up for the life of a murder solving guard like you'd have yeah. in Dublin or big cities or any so kind it of city. It wasn't CSI skull. No, know? no, it was, lo- it was law and order. Like ice tea is down in skull going, Hey man, this woman, she got fucked up real bad. Oh, she did. Aye, boy. She did, yeah. And she's sure not from around here, are you? She's I mean, different looking that. like you were around here in a long time now. Do you know what I mean? Fucking, uh, 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 Oh, yeah. The guy standing over going, <laughs> there's a... Oh, no. I was trying to think of your, what's your fucking man's name. He puts on the glasses and he's like, oh, we find the evidence. And it wasn't. Plenty out there. Yeah! Like the CSI guy or something. Putting his fucking sunglasses on. Like, you never get those lads. It was a bunch of fucking handball alley fired muck savage fucking nyardy who didn't really know what the fuck they were doing. Didn't see off the place properly. Also, like, the establishment, the Irish constabulary and the... Forensics team and all the shit that they need for yeah. murder. Like it's ninety three, man. Like we're not. Do you know we hadn't even we hadn't even had we hadn't even had our third Roddy Doyle film at that point. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Ireland was very young, and yeah, we um, didn't even have the snapper yet. Yeah, like it's it's. How do you get somebody down to find a murder of a woman who's been out in the rain for two days? Like, yeah, with with DNA with DNA evidence that just like everyone forgets, like DNA only came in the mid eighties and only came into Ireland in the early nineties. So like. Brand new technology. Uh, bit, do you know what? It's the fucking best time in the world and the best place in the world to be a murderer. Absolutely. You just totally get away with it, man. Absolutely. Now, but like, this is where it starts to get, I would say, a bit funky. This is where I would start to maybe question because until you've come along, and I'm sure you're a fucking pro at making people <laughs> like look at the other side of the coin, this is where it gets a little funky for me if Bailey did it or not. Now, Marie Farrell was the key witness, I suppose, to pinpoint Bailey at Kilfather Bridge. Yes. Clo- which is this is the, this the, is the essential This is the essential evidence. Is this the witness. essential evidence. Like, and she said, was wholeheartedly, she was very credible. I saw Ian Bailey at Kilfather Bridge. Which why is, would you doubt like, her? Why would you? She, she, there's no MO. Nope. Like, there's no reason she's just uh like she's a fucking nobody from yep. the back arse out nowhere like what what was the reason to not believe her but at the same time as like as you tend to do look at the other side of the coin why would you believe her you know well i mean th- nobody's nobody's going to come out and be a witness for a murder case if they're going to be lying why would anyone have the, the motivation or the inclination to lie it's but, true. but it turns it's out it. it turns out that she was actually telling porky pies right she was telling a load of shit. She was telling garbage, it was like straight up garbage coming out of her mouth in court. And this is where it gets even a little stranger. Bailey sued eight different publications yes. for libel. Simultaneously. So he it, was a, it, was a, it was a defamation bukkake. Oh my God, there was eight, fucking false eight, allegations eight, oh, coming everywhere. Yeah, we just did that identically on the video, by the way. That did looked we? really <laughs> fucked up. Just went straight for the fucking... The, the, just straight yeah. in. Visual aids helped me learn. Yeah. Um, That's but, how you get visual aids, is that the bukkake parties coming in your eye. Now, 
no, 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 no. But this is like the the, the closing shit. Like he brought all of these publications together. He says, "Oh, you can go to the Supreme Court, and you can get like bountiful amounts of money." Yeah, and he was like, mm, "I'll take it in the you circuit could, court." You could get an infinite amount of money at the, at the Supreme Court. An infinite yeah. amount of money, but in saying that, he was like, "I'm not doing it for the cash." Mm. But there's that other side. It's like, well, if it's just the circuit court, I don't have to deal with the jury. I can just deal with a judge. So instead, that's of, where I was instead, thinking, of, instead of thirteen people have to convince, it's only the one. Only the one cut in the box, yeah. and I mean, technically, that it. could be suspicious. That could be suspicious actions. It could be a, an intent. But then again, it, the 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 nobility in that decision to not be going for the big payout, the mm. big money. He just wanted to clear his name, and I think his sure. his legal counsel advised him. Look, at if you go for the Supreme Court, sure you get your ruling. It's it's mm. a sword with two sides, you know. Of course, if you go to the Supreme Court. And you get your ruling, you get a big payout, and and it'll be a financial disincentive for the papers to do that shit again. But also, people are going to be like, you're only out to get paid, which would more lean towards you being like, yeah, at yeah, least yeah. morally guilty. If you go to the circuit court and you're looking just to clear your name, it seems like a more like a mar like a like a moral victory over sure over that and then you could go off and be a journalist and still make your money and still fucking write a book about uh, I, you know, I was I was almost accused of murder or something like that mm. um like it was a clever choice I think it was the right Very. choice he's not he's but, a listen he's a cunt but he's not an idiot but the thing is though Marie Farrell ended up then I don't know am I stepping on your toes for this like this is no the, this is the big reveal of the whole case it seems to me go for it Marie Farrell Telling Porky Pies, because not dissimilar to Sophie Toscana-Duplantia, who was, uh, you know, uh, defamed for being an interspousal an interspousal hussy. Sure. Um, Marie Farrell was, was playing away from home as well, and the guards knew about it, and they fucking leaned on her and said, you do this and we'll keep your affair uh a, a secret between us Nice and, and quiet I'm like, Nice and quiet that's, that's fucking Extortion That's blackmail That Like totally. why How guards didn't go to jail for that I have no idea Like That's an Very absolute strange. travesty Of the Irish ju- justice yeah. system And then it ruined Ian Bailey's reputation forever And there was yeah. no retractions made And then the French court Took all of that stuff And then processed it As if it was real mm. And so now Another guilty verdict Has gone against Ian Bailey When all of the stuff was fabricated it, or, or it's all hearsay and conjecture, circumstantial. Like it's all, do you know, I just think it's um, a real travesty that not only is Ian Bailey getting fucked and he's a cunt. And sometimes, you know, cunts get, cunts get a bad run. And like if he was mm. nicer, maybe, or if he was a little bit more humble, he wouldn't have got yeah. such a fucking shit, shit attack. But yeah, at the same time, yeah. like no matter how much of a cunt you are, if you didn't murder somebody, you shouldn't be nailed for it. Right. No, no, I, I totally agree. And, and above all, and I say this on a lot of my shows, above all, Sophie Tiscandaplantia was murdered and her life was ended. No matter who she was mm. or what she did. And I don't even think having an affair in a Cork fucking no, holiday home is really that bad. What, what harm? No. Right? But she's was killed and her killer is not Ian Bailey, is still out there, maybe living locally or possibly, yeah. you know, in some smoking fucking tin cigarettes in some apartment in Paris waiting for his next job. Like, yeah, who, who actually killed her and for what reason? Who was the mastermind behind it? Um, Maybe they relied on the 
incompetence of some country guards, you know, like a Brandon Gleason yeah. movie or something like that. Um, sure. I think it was just a fucking travesty. Now here, and, and I have to go with this, but here mm-hmm. is a fantastic theory that I got from a very um, deeply buried YouTube video from about 12 years ago. Okay. The injuries that Sophie Tuscantaplanti sustained, the scars to her hands, the fact that she was holding her own hair, um, Uh the bites and the the marks, the scars and the chomp uh, marks and the scrabs that were on her hands and arms, very heavily injured. And then a cement brick was dropped on her head. She wasn't hit with it, but it was dropped on her head, I think, when she was on the ground. Uh, and made shit of her head, obviously, um, because of the yeah. weight of it, right? I saw a man made a YouTube video that was very compelling. Why was she out in the lane? Why had she got laced up boots in her jammies out in the lane? She was out very early in the morning at sunrise. They couldn't tell the exact time of death, but they think it was just after sunrise. Mm. This man purports, and I, I tend to fucking believe him, because it's so hard to find the killer of it. Could you think that uh, Daniel Tuscan de Plantier, uh, you know, they were having marital problems? That was one of the things they said on some of the podcasts. Isn't it? Daniel yeah. Tuscan de Plantier w- w- uh, hired an assassin to kill her because she was being, uh, she w- there was infidelity in the relationship and he yeah, didn't want yeah, her yeah. to take half his shit like or whatever. Possibly. Or possibly this, this mad country car cunt came out and he said, well, no, see this field here, you know. This field would have had horses inside it. And these horses, have you heard the horse theory? No. So this man said, Sophie Tushkin de Plantier came down from the house and she's coming down to feed the horses in the morning. Okay. And she put on her boots. Like, it wasn't like, you know, you get a phone call from a friend, they come down to meet me, we're going to smoke a joint down the field before sunrise. It'd be romantic, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had the boots on, she had this dressing gown on and the whole, the pajamas and all that because she was going to feed the horses. But there were wild horses. And she went over to the gate and she was feeding them. And and I don't know if you know this, but horses bite and they bite hard and it's fucking sore. Oh, yeah. So yeah. maybe the horses started to attack her when she was in the field and there were she was giving out the food and they all just came around her and started attacking her. And I don't know if you've ever seen horses fighting, but they rear up oh. on their back legs and they just be boof, 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 with their front Bronco hooves, yeah. right? So maybe the yeah. horses bit the shit out of her hands and arms and started kicking her. So all the bruises and contusions and all that stuff consistent with getting the shit kicked out of you. Like her body was a bit yeah. b- busted up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that was totally. a bunch of fucking horses kicking the shit out of her. And the blood on the gate that we saw a picture of, but the gate went missing, was her blood. She put her hand on the gate to climb out of the field to run away from the horses, fell just at the gate, and one of the horses reared up and kicked the cement block off the top of the fucking wall that was sitting up on the wall and she was fo- underneath it and the horse threw the foot up and kicked it, knocked it off the wall and it came down and smashed on the back of her head. Maybe there's Jeez. half a dozen murderous horses in the fields of Cork in the 90s going around going, fucking say nothing about that, right? Don't say you nothing. Keep your fucking mouth you keep shut. Keep your fucking mouth shut or you'll be glue, my friend. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you that is a very viable and often, often overlooked theory it shows that that just shows it like i feel like we've gone that's where my money is them i think we've gone down many routes very different alleys but we we still don't have an answer and no. that that just shows like how fucked it is listen you have to be going horses you're a very you're a, it's, it's horses horses but it. 
you have to be going. Yes, you're sir. a fucking busy man, as we all know. I got to go take uh, care of my take care of my lady and my baby. Your your lady and your kid. T- anyways, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, Doseconspiracyguys.com has everything. I'm Doseconspiracyguys on all the social, and uh, you know, reach out to me. I'm mean, quite active on Instagram, so if you have any questions yep. or you want to reach out, Instagram DMs or whatever. And yeah, yeah, um, yeah. the podcast is everywhere you find podcasts. I'm sure there's something in there that you like, be it a crime one or a science fictiony one or an aliens one. There's or something a, for everyone. A weird science or something about fucking, you know, cryptids or cryptozoology. If you're into history, if you're into comedy and you like a little bit of fucking mystery, yeah, I think I think you should drop in and see what you find. There's no fucking something there for everybody. Interviews and all sorts of mad shit going on. as well. I, absolutely. Yeah, like the fucking not to go down another hole, but John McAfee, the whole the whole oh, nine stop, yards, man. and uh, congratulations John. on the tour as well. Thanks very much, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm all over the UK in October, and uh, awesome. I'm doing an, I'm doing a show in the Liberty Hall Theatre in the Big Smoke in Dublin oh. in the, on the 14th of January 2022. So, I mean, if you're in town, I'm sure I could find a, a complimentary uh, ticket for you and a friend. Shit, man, yes, that totally. Yeah, oh, I sure, tell man. you, there's only one man I would bring, and that's the fella that introduced me to said that's show. Stefan, what's his surname? My man, Sean. Sean, My Sean. My man, Sean Heeran. Sean Heeran. Uh, well, Sean will be there at the Liberty Hall yes, on the 14th of he'll January. Be hearing your voice, he'll, that's yeah, what he will. Hearing it all night long. Uh, yeah, good man, Sean. And yeah, sure, I'll see the two of you at the live show, and you can get your tickets, all the links. I, I'll send you over a, like a magic link, and you can click in the description Brilliant. of this show. And I'm going to be putting this on my feed as well, so you can get it in the description oh, here somewhere as well. Absolutely. Thanks for having me listen, on the show, man. Gordo, and listen, if you're ever short a guest or need a fucking oh, a we'll quick fill in, we'll hit me up, my brother. Hit me up. This has been fantastic. Um, thank you, man. Thanks. Nothing but love. Appreciate good luck, it. Good luck.